Welcome to the Real Estate Masters Podcast, a podcast with top real estate agents sharing insights of how they've grown their business. Every guest is unique and serves different markets, so you will find value in each and every episode. And now our host, executive coach, April Mack. Welcome. I'm delighted to have you with me today. I never take for granted that you would give of your time to listen to the Real Estate Masters podcast. I'm getting great feedback and I so appreciate that. Please subscribe and leave us a good review. We, um, It's just invaluable to us. I want to also thank today uh, the West Metro Board of Realtors um, outside of Atlanta, Georgia. They were so kind to have me come and speak at their first in-person gathering after the shutdown of COVID. And I spoke there in October, just a wonderful group of real estate agents, and I was delighted to get to speak. I have a topic, Dream Again, that I love sharing with people. It was so well-received. I got great feedback from that, a standing ovation, actually, which just made my day, but it really makes me feel good to know that someone got value from that talk. And I love encouraging and inspiring people. And maybe your dream has somewhat died. And that's not just in our real estate career, but that could be from the loss of a relationship, a financial loss, health crisis, um, family issues. There's so many things that can just cause us to quit dreaming. And I'm not going to give you all of my talk right now, but it's so important that we dream again. And I love sharing that. So if you have an opportunity, you would love to, I would love to talk with you. Um, I love speaking to realtors, to uh, a board of realtors, to a real estate company. I do team workshops, working as a healthy team. And as many of you would know, I am an executive coach and that includes many real estate agents that I coach and just helping them move forward in their career. And one other thing that I just want to mention really quick is that I facilitate and host mastermind groups. I have a new group that's starting in January. It's the second Tuesday of every month, and we still have a few spots open for that. If that's something you're interested in, please reach out to me. My website is uh, coachaprilmack.com. You can find my email address there, phone number. Uh, you can reach out to me through social media. Coach April Mack is my Instagram. And also, I have a Facebook page, Coach April Mack. Mack is with um, a K, like the Mack truck. And, of course, my name, April. Um, I think you can probably figure that one out. It's just like the month. But would love to hear from you. If, if the Mastermind Group would be something you're interested in, we put a mass, maximum amount of people are 12. These are real estate agents from all over the country, many of them seasoned agents. Uh, we only put a minimum of two newer agents into that mastermind. And then um, we, again, we meet through Zoom. Those agents are from all over the country, but yet none of them are in competitive markets. So we're very careful about that. And uh, we meet 90 minutes on Zoom once a month. The value to me is just priceless. And that's what we hear from those that are in our mastermind groups. You know, some of you are very seasoned, but it's easy to hit a plateau. To be able to come together with this amazing group of agents and to be challenged and hold each other accountable to get 
see things from a different perspective, to get new ideas. It's just a great time. So if that's something you're interested in, it's only $79 a month for that. You think of the things you spend $79 on. That's really nothing. And the value is absolutely priceless. And that's just a special price for my podcast listeners. So if that's something you're interested, just reach out to me and we'll try to get you in that group. This interview that I have today, I believe you're going to find great value from it. I loved interviewing Jonas. He's just a really cool guy. Um, Jonas Barish, he is um, from Kansas City. He's Better Homes and Gardens, real estate out of Kansas City. And let me just tell you a little bit about Jonas. He was named Kansas City Magazine's five-star best in client satisfaction award. He received that multiple years. He also received uh, the Emerald Elite Award in 2015 for the highest level award by Better Homes and Gardens, Real Estate. He is licensed in uh, Missouri and also a licensed broker in Kansas. He was awarded the Outstanding Entrepreneurial Achievement two years in a row by the Kauffman Foundation. He was named Kansas City Jewish Living Magazine's Five Under 40 Making a Difference in Kansas City. And he was also an award winner um, by the Kansas City Home Builders Association. You're going to love Jonas. He's got some really interesting perspective on some things, a little different from some of our past interviews. And I know he would love to hear from you if you have a referral headed to Kansas City. So I'm going to get right to it. Here is my interview with Jonas Barish. Well, hi, Jonas. Thanks so much for being a guest with us today. And tell us a little bit about you. Thanks for having me. So my name is Jonas, and I live in Overland Park, Kansas, which is a suburb just outside of Kansas City, uh, I guess, Kansas City, Missouri. I guess what people think of when they think Kansas City. I've been selling real estate for just over 15 years and I have two small children and an awesome wife. Awesome. And you know, I'm really inclined to want to just ask you about your family, but since this is a real estate podcast, we'll get on into the business part, but maybe we'll swing back around. I'm a family person, so I always love hearing about everyone's family. But so what got you into real estate and what company are you with? Tell us a little bit about that in case anyone wants to send a referral your way. Sure. I am with Better Homes and Gardens, uh, Kansas City Real Estate. Uh, We were previously Prudential. We've been the Better Homes and Gardens brand for I'm not sure how many years now, but a number of years. And getting started in real estate, I actually started in real estate in the new construction business. So I was living in Los Angeles at the time. Uh, I was born and raised in Kansas City um, and moved to Los Angeles in the late 90s. And um, I knew some people in Kansas City that were working in new construction, development, um, and sales. And I've always had a passion for design and marketing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what sparked my interest initially in real estate. And then um, I was considering moving back to the Kansas City area from California. And uh, this other agent made an introduction to this newer company that was marketing just new home subdivisions. And that was my start. So I came back and uh, got licensed and started training and was an on-site sales agent at a number of new developments in uh, the Kansas City area. 
And that was kind of my intro to real estate. Mm. So was it immediate success for you? Yeah, it actually, (laughs) it was immediate success for me. Um, At the time, you know, 2005-ish, the new construction market was booming. I was lucky enough to have success my first year in real estate. So So how did you transition from that into now being a, a typical real estate agent? And what does that look like for you? Well, I transitioned because... I I like a variety. Uh, well, I like change. One, I don't like being in the same place every day. So mm-hmm. you know, after being in, you know, at the same developments every day, you know, it was a model homes hours. Uh, I just determined that wasn't really something I enjoyed, and also when you, I was finding that when you are a new homes agent and you're sitting at a subdivision, people don't always think of you, even, you know, clients, friends, past clients and friends and family, they don't always think of you when they're getting ready to buy a home because they think like you're just a new homes agent that sits at the development. So, um, you know, I made the choice to leave that and, um, you know, start developing my career as a, you know, more rounded realtor. And uh, that's kind of why I made the decision to make that change. Mm. So what does that look like for you now? Are you, you work alone, you're a team? So I work alone. I've tried the team. I've tried to start a team in the past, but determined it wasn't really something at the time I, I, I wanted to do. And so I dissolved that and I work alone. I do really almost everything myself, except for the things that, you know, we should rely on experts for like photographers. And, you know, I have some people that help me with some marketing stuff. But as far as like the transaction process, negotiating, showings, uh, meetings, like it's, it's me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have told me that's, I'm not doing it right. Because, you know, I'm at a point in my career where I should be growing a team and I should be getting bigger because my volume is such where, you know, for a a single agent, some people say, I don't have a whole lot more I can grow because it's just me, but I I don't know. I like the way I do it. And I like, I like the process and I love what I do. So sure. I think it's very interesting because you really do hear such a, you know, the the weighing in and out of, you know, should someone be on a team? And, and it does seem like a lot of people are kind of pushed to that. But I do think it really changes the whole format of your business. Because I think for a lot of people, then when they build this team, now they're more running a business. They're not so much, for some people, not everyone, but right. for some people, then they're not so much actively in selling real estate they're now running a business um, from, you know, all of managing people and, you know, always encouraging them and rallying the troops. And, um, and for some people that really fits with their skill set. But, um, you know, so it, it's an interesting argument to determine whether or not 
someone should be a team or just work alone. And so it's really interesting your perspective on that. What was it that you didn't really, when you tried that, what was it that kind of you determined that this wasn't for me? Uh, it's kind of what you said. I don't, I don't really enjoy rallying the troops that are under me. And I just like marching. I like, I've always marched to the beat of my own drum and I just don't, I don't know. I just, it just wasn't for me. I see, you know, I work selling real estate. I work with a lot of teams, you know, co-oping on a transaction. And I see so many teams that are not run properly. You know, their transaction coordinator doesn't know what someone else has done. And like, you know, I have three different people on their team asking me for the same document that I've sent them last week. And it's like, you have to be so organized. And you, if you do have a team, you have to run it like a business. And not all businesses are run effectively. And I see it day in and day out. And then I see some teams that just shine because, you know, their team is run so effectively, but they're not, you know, one of the larger teams in town or one of the most successful teams in town when they should be because they're really running it the way a team should be. So uh, I don't know. I just, I, I know what my strengths and what my weaknesses are. And I just feel like doing it myself. I, I really like it. I just, I like every aspect of what I do. And I also think with teams, like one of the big things I like about this business is it's a relationship business. I really like nurturing relationships. I like being of value to someone personally. And I like adding value to my clients' lives in one way or another. And I feel like you lose a little bit of that when you are a, a team leader because if I have a buyer's agent that is going out and, you know, working with this client, you know, a buyer client through a, you know, what's a huge purchase and a stressful transaction for a lot of people, I'm, I'm no longer nurturing that relationship because I'm not there day to day showing them the houses and I'm not, you know, sure. so. Right. Yeah. Kind of feel like you're missing out and just. Waving from a distance. Right. So what sets you apart? You've had a a lot of success and feel free to talk about that in your market, but what makes you stand out? You think? I would say, I think my creativity makes me stand out. The, the fact that I genuinely care about the end result and my client's being satisfied and happy makes me stand out. Um, I would say those things really make me, and my knowledge of homes inside and out, I've flipped homes and, you know, I make it my business to know almost everything there is about homes, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm, I'm not a home inspector, but you know, when I'm going through a house, I can spot things that a lot of realtors would not spot, but that also right. comes with experience um, and being in the industry for a long time. Um, and, and I think my just kind of, I'm very blunt. A lot of people will tell you, and I I just don't hold back with my feelings or my thoughts. A lot of my clients will tell you, and I think I've, I've had reviews that say this is that I 
talk people out of houses a lot more than I talk them into houses. Mm. So, and, and you know, just I always try to do the right thing, and I feel like that's what sets me apart. I feel sure. my, I I don't think of myself as a salesperson. I think of myself as a marketer. Um, you know, a marketing expert. Uh, right. You know. So you say your creativity, how does that manifest itself in your, in your business? I think with interior design, it manifest manifests myself in my business. Um, my clients often rely on me for a sounding board for, you know, what could we do with this space? Um, you know, can this wall be moved? Could we fit, you know, this here, how could we reconfigure this space to make it fit our needs? Because we like the house overall, except for, you know, X, Y, or Z. And then just, you know, I think outside the box. So I, I think that's where it comes into play. Are you working more with buyers or sellers? You know, I checked that the other day. I think I was like six in the 60% range with buyers. And I know a lot of the industry you know, always like wants to get you more listing heavy. I know like when I've gone to training, it's like, how do we get more listings? How do you get more listings? How do you get more listings? But I really enjoy working with buyers. I mean, you don't have that, you know, contact with them when you're working with a seller, but I enjoy listings as well. Yeah. So I'm sure that when you're on a listing appointment, that bluntness probably kind of comes out at times. How do you tell me what that looks like? So, well, I always ask like if it's a lot of times, if it's a past client, I know they're not interviewing other agents, but I do get a lot of referrals from people that I don't know. I get a lot of, you know, from past clients that send me referrals or someone that finds me online because they read reviews or, maybe hopefully heard a podcast. Um, so uh, that was to you. Yeah, thanks. Podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, that in. So I always ask who my competition is, like who are they, who, who else are they interviewing? You know, I try to focus on what sets me apart. As far as blunt, bluntness goes, I mean, I guess I could say bluntness slash honesty is mm. – it's like I'll never, and you know, you hear about agents that will go in and inflate a price to try to secure the listing because, you know, I don't know why they do that just to try to secure the listing, but I'm not going to do that. And right. you know, I'll, I'll ask what, what, what are the prices that other people are showing them, uh, their house is worth or what it should be listed at, what strategy is other or other. I always want to know what other people are doing in contrast to what I'm doing. Because usually if, if those, if that agent is not being honest, who I'm up against, like I can show them like why I'm honest. I come fully prepared, you know, and why my price is, this is why I think your house should be priced at this. And I show them the data and what I'm seeing on the ground in the marketplace and the bidding wars I'm seeing. And, you know, I try to, focus on the facts and my expertise to, you know, be honest, which, and sometimes honesty is bluntness because, Mm -hmm. you know, if a house is not ready to go on the market, you have to give that person the tools and the 
education and the knowledge to see what they need to do to their home to get it ready to sell. And, you know, some, some people do not want to hear that, but I mean, that is my job. Right. Right. It does really take the level of professionalism up a notch. I think when someone comes in as a professional and they are honest and whether that's being just blunt and hardcore truth or whether it's just sugarcoating it a little bit, but it's still giving, you know, the truth of the matter. I know when I was actively selling real estate, it just was very frustrating when you have those agents that are going in and overpricing these listings and, and then the follow-up agent has to come in and really educate that seller. And any, I mean, any thoughts on that? I mean, of really just what that conversation looks like with the seller. Like, like thoughts specifically on being the second agent in, like, or, or, or just in general, like just what, how you're communicating uh, that kind of information. And, and you've hit on it a little bit, but I do just think so many agents really struggle with this and to have some understanding of some dialogue and, and really how, how a professional really handles this well. Well, I always tell sellers, you know, when I'm coming before I come to their home, like, all right, when I come over, like, this is your, you know, put on your thick skin because I'm there to tell you what we need to do to get the most amount of money for your home. Wow. That's interesting that you really even say that before you come in. And I think that's great. I mean, you're preparing them ahead of time. And their house may be immaculate, but like, you never know what's going to offend someone, you know, like, you know, if someone has a, you know, let's say a mod, a super modern home and, you know, everything's immaculate and everything looks fantastic, but they have their great grandfather's old beat up rocking chair sitting in their (laughs) living room because it's sentimental and stuff. Like I don't want them to get offended when I say, uh, you got to get that rocking chair, like put it in the basement Mm -hmm. storage. Mm -hmm. Like I'm saying it in your best, uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking out for your best interests. Like we're a fiduciary, which I feel like a lot of agents forget all the time. Like everything I'm telling you is in my mind, what's in your best interest. And you know, you have one goal when you go in, get that seller to where they want to be. And everything I'm telling you is with that one goal in mind. So I do tell them, you know, put on your thick skin. And mm-hmm. I say the th- same things to them when they're getting feedback from showing agents after mm-hmm. the home is listed. Like you can have the most immaculate home ever. And like you saw it when you were actively selling, like agents will sometimes just, and I'm guilty of it too. Like forget to say like that house was absolutely incredible. The, all they say is like, why the, they're buying why their buyer did not pick that home mm-hmm. you know right. so i always just reiterate throughout the process like to sellers like have thick skin have thick skin like we're mm-hmm. going to get your house sold we're going to get you to where you want to be um but sometimes things you hear are not going to be like what you want to hear right yeah is there anything you're putting in their hands before you go into a listing presentation or just do you just come in the door with everything I come in the door with everything. If I've never been in the house, 
So I come in the door with everything I use, you know, I do the comparative market analysis myself. I don't have, like I said, I do everything. So I do the market analysis myself. Um, I bring in a binded copy of it. And then I also, right before I get there, I send them an interactive version of that. So Mm -hmm. they have it over email and I'm giving it to them, but I send it in a way that email copy. So they're not reviewing it prior to when I get there. I want to sit with them. I want to go over it. I want to show them my adjustments. I want to show them how I got to where I got. Right. So I'm taking everything there. If I've never seen this house, I'm not giving my price opinion at that meeting because Mm -hmm. I want to go back, you know, I'll I'll bring my, all of my tools that I bring that I leave with them, but I want to go back and fine tune after I've been through the home. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see, I, I, I don't see it because I don't see other agents at their listing presentations, but I hear over and over again from sellers that I've never met that are a referral or that found me online. You know, when I ask them who else are they interviewing, sometimes they won't tell me, by the way, but most of the time they will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say, you know, what are they saying? What the other what the other agents are coming in and saying to the sellers? Oh, they'll say that sometimes, you know, a lot of times they'll tell me the agent came in and gave them their price. Like mm. they t- and I'm like, wow, how did like how does someone do that without mm-hmm. ever have been in the home and seeing the layout and the function, you know, the functional use of the home and the condition and the decor. I just don't know how someone does that. So right. mine's always kind of a, a two-step process if I, if I'm not familiar with the home. Mm-hmm. So how are you marketing yourself? So most of my business comes honestly through referrals and uh, I do get, a portion of my business from people that will find me online that follow me on, you know, Instagram or Facebook, but mostly it's referral, honestly. Yeah. So are you doing some kind of way that you're staying in touch with all those past clients for referrals or you're asking for referrals from friends and family? I mean, I always ask for referrals. I say our, you know, our business is a relationship business. So I stay in touch with most people. I have a lot of follow up and it's not just for like, if I'm calling some, if I'm calling someone that closed on a house a month ago to see how they are in their house and are there any issues, anything I can help with like that call is genuine. That's not for a referral. Mm -hmm. The referral is just like you, you get those referrals if you run your business right. And your right. clients are happy. So right. I don't I don't find myself asking for referrals a lot. I think the only place, like I don't have it in my email signature or anything like that. I think the only time I actually formally ask for referrals is when after a transaction closes. So any every time I have a transaction close, I send that client, you know, a, a thank you note. And, you know, if you have the time, could you please click on this link and write me a review? Hmm. And I always ask for constructive criticism as well. But, you know, I ask, please don't put that in a review. You know, I I, I always want to know how to improve. But 
review the experience you had. With right. You. Right. So, uh, and then I provide links to, you know, Zillow. Here, here's where you can copy and paste that one review on Zillow, uh, Google reviews, wherever. There's so right. many different places you can get reviews. I kind of feel like realtors should pick and choose the ones that they find the most value from and embrace those. Mm-hmm. So, and for you, that is the like Google reviews. So Google reviews was just like recent. I started asking for them okay. because I found that most people were, were reviewing me on Zillow. Yeah. But, you know, I wanted to build Google reviews too. So, you know, I added a link to where you can copy and paste that review you wrote on Google. People have reviewed me a lot on Nextdoor. And I, yeah. that's that's been valuable because I've been a, you know, neighborhood favorite award winner and various neighborhoods on Nextdoor for the last couple of years. And um, So tell me about that. Have. So Nextdoor every year, you're familiar with the Nextdoor app? I'm not not? real familiar with that, no. Okay, so Mm -hmm. Nextdoor is an app which basically each household has an account or a user on, like me and my wife both have accounts, but, you know, our accounts are linked to our address. And I can go on next door and see a map of our neighborhood or surrounding neighborhoods. I can click on different houses, see who lives there, et cetera. So, and people oftentimes on next door will be like, Hey, does anyone know, like, has anyone used a good roofer or handyman or whatever? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, when people reply to that, it tags their business. Um, so I guess through that, I, I don't really know how it organically happened. I guess through that, maybe just word of mouth and people talking. I, I had a Nextdoor business account and people were recommending my business on Nextdoor. And then I think I, I started asking people after closing at some point, if they want to post on Nextdoor about me, that's great too. So a lot of times people people always tend to talk about their bad experiences, but they never really you know, a lot of times when people want to post a review, it's something bad. Not for me. I'm not saying this is for me, but you know, people like to complain yeah. and when they have right, something negative right. to say about a business, like that's when they think to post because like, you know, they want to tell everyone like avoid this business, but with a positive transaction, it just goes on as a positive transaction. So I do feel it's important to ask for those reviews, but yeah. It's hard to get someone to review you everywhere. So that's some, I always give people the links, copy and paste right at once, copy and paste it to the others, take you five minutes and you're done. Um, but that next door one kind of happened organically, honestly. That's, that's awesome though. And I haven't and heard anyone talk about year. that. Yeah. Oh, really? So that I, must I be, a, it must be more popular in some areas than others, but that's very interesting. And I can see where if you can really get in well, you know, getting some good feedback in that app and it's being used by certain neighbor, you know, neighborhoods, then and I can the just see the benefit thing, of that. I think they, they have a vote every year, you know, like vote for your favorite electrician. And I, I don't know what all they have, but so if mm. I, you know, they'll send me an email when they're having voting. So I'll encourage people to vote for me if they've used me. It, it's sometimes hard to keep up with the newest and, latest uh, apps or techniques Mm -hmm. and things everyone's using. Like I never embraced Snapchat or TikTok just because it's like, 
I'm running my Instagram mm-hmm. and my Facebook and my LinkedIn. And it's like, you almost need a, a staff or a person yeah. to just handle all of those. Once you embrace the latest yes. and greatest. Isn't it the truth? Wow. It's insane. Um, but I think this WhatsApp, I can imagine, or no, no, next door app. I can imagine some agents, um, you know, really kind of promoting that through their social media to some of their clients, potential clients, friends and family, and maybe that's a new marketing source for them. What, what well, do you they do think? have realtor marketing. They have paid realtor marketing on there as well. Hmm. Okay. Um, where you can, know. you know, sponsor a zip code, but you're not really buying leads per se, right. like right. other, other platforms. You're, you're sponsoring your neighborhood. You know, you can post a certain amount of, you know, realtor related posts per week or per month to your neighborhood. Um, but I don't think it's like the, a lead buying platform mm-hmm. per se. Sure. Sure. That's very interesting. And and yeah. if I'm the idiot in the podcast, uh, our podcast audience here, then just uh, hit me over the head. But I think that <laughs> I haven't heard anyone talk about it. So that's really neat. And uh, I'm glad that you brought that to light. So I, now I wonder, now I wonder if it's like huge, like in only certain, certain markets areas. or yeah. 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 I'm sure. I mean, that would make sense, but so obviously 2020 has been a crazy, crazy year, but right. it has been an amazing year in real estate. So has. what has that, what's it looked like for you? Um, well, in, I'll say in March when COVID, I'd say late February, early March, when COVID first started happening, I was worried, like really worried. And you know, my wife was worried that the market was going to take a big dive. Yeah, me too. I had an offer in on a house to flip and I, it hadn't been accepted yet. And I called the agent. I'm like, okay, pull my offer because I'm afraid the world's coming to an end. And then wished I had, you know, kept it on the table and flipped the house. But anyway, go ahead. A hundred percent. And even, I mean, I was taking precautions too. Like, when this first happened, you know, I, I have, um, I have an LLC so that my commissions go to like a lot of agents do. And I called my CPA and I was like, okay, well, I think I need to prepare in case the market does tank. So instead of maxing out my, you know, SEP retirement contribution, for 2000, so for 2019, because I make that contribution in 2020, let's reduce that. And I was like looking for ways to like conserve like a big, yeah. you know, nest egg if we needed it. Right. But luckily the market, it's been such a weird market. And people always ask me like, well, what do you see happening around the holidays? It's like, who knows? Like yes. this, this market is totally different than anything I've ever been through. So you don't really know what turn the market's going to take next. All the signs I'm seeing on the ground right now are that it's going to continue to be great for sellers, stressful for buyers. 
mm-hmm. um, because of the low inventory and everything like that. But back to your question of like, how's 2020 been? So compared with 2019, which was a great year, my volume has been uh, almost double of 2019. Wow. Um, that That's incredible. I mean... I would expect you to answer that it's up, but double is absolutely uh, amazing. I don't know exact numbers, but I do know. So I do, you know, monthly payroll for my LLC. And, you know, I had a call with my accountant last week to like, you know, how do we plan going forward? Because when I look at my volume for 2020 versus 2019, it's so much higher. Mm. And how do we interpret that for 2021? And it's like, nobody knows because is it COVID related? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is it, is it because it's just another year in the real estate market and my volume goes up every year because referrals, referrals go up every year. Maybe like who really Mm -hmm. knows? Yeah. Um, All I know is I thought the market was going to go South or I was worried the market was going to go south with, you know, me and, you know, in March, I remember calling other realtors that I have great relationships with that are high volume producers and team leaders. And what do you think is going to happen? What do you, everyone thought it was going to go down. Yeah. Um, and people were talking about, Oh, well, there's going to be opportunity for buyers. And it was the total opposite. Inventory mm-hmm. remained low. The buyer market remained strong. Mortgage rates have just gone so low and it's just, it's unbelievable. And I feel so lucky, so lucky that, you know, the market has continued to do that. My wife works in healthcare and, you know, we made the tough decision for her in March to leave her job. Mm. And we pulled my, pulled my daughter out of daycare just, we were being so cautious with, you know, we don't want to get COVID. I had, you know, at the time, I mean, my daughter's under two years old. So we're just, we were just, you know, how do we protect our family and how do we get through this if the market tanks? Yeah. So, right. What does, um, so what do you, do do you plan and and set goals and, and look, you know, what do you want the upcoming year to look like? And, that sort of thing? Or what does that look like for you? So your audience is going to like laugh at me for this, especially the other realtors listening. I don't set goals. I, I work hard. I work super hard. Um, and I believe that if you want it more than the next person that, and you work hard enough, and you do the right thing, and you're honest, you'll be successful. Yeah. And maybe the reason I don't set goals every year is because it's just me. And I mean, if I sell 60 to 80 houses a year, and do, you know, 15 to $20 million in volume per year, like, and it's just me, and I don't want to pivot and start a team, Mm -hmm. like how much more can I grow more? Yeah. Maybe, maybe if I, in terms of volume and transactions, maybe if I pivot from representing more buyers than sellers, maybe if I, you know, because buyers take more time, 
Yeah. I don't know. So, but yeah. I don't, I, I don't set those goals. I just always have the same work ethic. I work hard. Right. I work, my wife would tell you too much, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how do you balance that? Because, I mean, do you have an admin or anyone that's helping you? Because you're doing an incredible amount of volume for one person and you've got to be working a lot. I, you know, I've looked at having an admin to handle like paperwork and stuff like that, but like, I, I don't know how much time it would save me with technology yeah. and how much I embrace technology and how quickly I learn like right. with digital transactions, like, like me calling an admin or emailing an admin and telling them I needed an amendment that needs to be read like this, like <laughs> I could just whip that yeah. amendment in two seconds and have it out to everyone quicker than I can explain to someone what I need. Right. Um, so no, I, I don't have an admin. My process is I write, I draft offers. And a lot of this I like to do because like, I like to know what's going on in my transactions. I'm so yeah. incredibly organized. If you talk to any lenders I work with or our, our company admin, which is who we turn our transactions into, like I'm so incredibly organized. I turn in You'd complete have to transactions. Be. You have, well, yeah, but so many aren't. Yeah. <laughs> but you'd never, be, you'd never get a, this kind of volume done without being organized. I don't know. I see some high volume agents <laughs> that are not very organized. And I'm like, how, how are they doing it? And how are they getting referral business running their business like this? I have a transaction right now with a, a really large high producing team, like one of the top teams in the city. And it's like, I, I, I got an email this morning asking me if I was able to get an amendment signed that they sent me last week. Okay, well, I had that amendment signed last week and I sent it to them. <laughs> and then on, I think on Friday or Saturday, the agent, the actual listing agent asked me if I had that amendment signed, but I had already sent it back to them. And it's like, you know, he said, okay, confirmed, got it. And then yeah. this morning I get an email from their admin or transaction coordinator. I don't even know what, what it is asking. And it's like, their disorganization yes, takes, it's cost takes it costs it, it takes my time. Yeah. Because I have to respond to all these emails and like look back at my file and say, Did I send that mm -hmm, to them? And then mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, they've already asked for this. Like three different people have asked for this. And it's like wow. how does anything get done? Yes. Yeah. That's a that's such a good point. And um, and I do feel like, you know, when when somebody is weighing out, I know we're going back to where we started, but when someone's weighing out team versus working independently, I think obviously there are ways to structure a team and them to be very effective and, and to work. But I also think mm -hmm. that there are these cases where as an individual, you really might make a, a whole lot more money may end up at the bottom line working as an individual. If you're not, if that team is not, when you, when you weigh it out and you, you look, I mean, there may be a whole lot more volume, but then you've got so many more people on the team and everything's getting divided. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is what you really want to look at and, and the health of the way that you function. I mean, 
I think, um, you know, for some people it's, they're going to enjoy their life a whole lot more working independently and other people are going to enjoy their life a whole lot more. And, and to me, that's what it really boils down to. And if you enjoy the way you work and you have satisfaction in that, then that at the end of the day, that's what's most important. So I, I think I would work if I could create a team, it would be, it wouldn't be a team of a bunch of agents under me that I'm making money off of. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I am happy to, I mean, I'm, I'm the agent advisor for my office, for our specific office. I am happy to tell people how I do things and how I structure my business and why I'm, why I'm successful. And I'm happy to like help other people become successful, but I don't necessarily want to structure my business in a way where I'm like my, the goal of my business is to make money off of other agents. Like if that were the case, why don't I just go start a, you know, brokerage, you know, and take on a broker advisor role and stop selling real estate. That's not what I want to do. But if I, if I could have a dream team and I were going to start a team it would be a team of agents that I believe have the same ethic and drive as myself. And we all work together on things and you get a package that, that is, I could see that being beneficial because then, you know, you could free up a little bit of your time. If you have multiple people that work just like you doing the same, you know, same thing. I think that would be beneficial, but then, you know, to do that, I would have to find the time to find those people. And, you know, being a solo agent that is successful, I don't have, (laughs) I don't have that time. Right, right. So how are you balancing your time? I mean, I guess I have the same. So our, as a realtor, like, you don't know what your next day is going to look like, I could have nothing on my schedule. And then that morning, it's like you get for showing requests and, you know, so I guess each day is different. I make a point to always, you know, get up with my kids, get them breakfast, get my son to school. Um, so I, I won't compromise that for anything. I try my, I, I, uh, I always put my son to bed unless it's just like an absolute, like the only time my client has is for, you know, that time. So I always get my kids to bed, my daughter to bed, my son to bed, have dinner with my family. Like I really carve out time for that. And that, that my life was not that way before kids. And I had my first kid at 40. So I started pretty late in life. I mean, I was already a successful realtor before I had kids. I think the toughest part was making the changes for my family once I had kids because I'd been doing it differently for so long. Um, But that's just so important to me. If someone is going to like not work with me and be flexible because I want to, you know, put my kids to bed, then, you know, I'm not a right fit for them. Right. So the daughter's two, you said, or under two? 
she'll she'll be two on at the end of November, okay. and my son will be five in January. Wow, those are such fun ages, um, and their names. Yeah. Uh, my daughter is Leora, and my son is Dove. Do you, well, it's pronounced Dove, um, but we call him Dove. They're both mm-hmm. Hebrew names. Love that, Leora. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm writing she's that a, down. I've got a daughter expecting a, a little girl. So, so we yeah. were actually going to name her Leona, which I think is Italian, but we love the name Leona. And then, uh, since our son has a Hebrew name, she was born or Jewish and she was born around Hanukkah. And, you know, Leora has light attached to the meaning of the name. So, uh, you know, Festival of Lights. She got Leora mm, instead of Leona. That's neat. Love that. And, that's and beautiful. Do, do, thank you. And dove means bear in Hebrew. So neat. He's our Love little it. bear. Yeah. yeah. There's They're just awesome. nothing like what how children change our perspective of the world at times, isn't it? So it just changes what, and I think having kids late in life for me, you know. It, 40 years old. I mean, I had been living my life the way I lived it for so many years. I mean, my, my whole adult life. So, you know, I was kind of set in my ways. So it really changed And my priorities were set. So it totally changed everything for me, probably more so than I think someone that, you know, gets married in their early twenties and has kids early in life. Yeah. Wonderful. And there's no, you know, wrong, right way to do it. Um, you know, I just, I guess it's just my, my, my life took a different path. Yeah. Well, I'm all about someone having balance in their life and, um, I could have more balance. I could have more balance for sure. But, you know, I'm always working on that. Sure. Well, and we all can, I mean, obviously, but I loved, um, I'm going to, I'm looking up right now because Andrea Bloom was one of um, our guests and I'm looking to see what episode that was. She Mm -hmm. um, just incredible interview with her that, and I can't find it right now, but it was, you know, maybe around episode four, she's from uh, Canada and she, she literally, she's got this huge successful real estate business and she only, she determines Uh, She's very much a planner and sets her plans for the upcoming year. But in that interview, she just talked about how she figures out how much she wants to travel and how much time she wants to be off in a year. And so then Mm -hmm. she determines how much Mm -hmm. she has to work. And Mm -hmm. it was just a very interesting perspective. But obviously, you know, at the end of our lives, we don't want to say, oh, you know, I did all of this in my work. I don't think those are the things that we're going to find the most value in and be the most proud of. And so spending the time with people that we love and investing in people, um, I think is one of the things that's the most rewarding. So it's been, you know, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like when I die, I don't want to be remembered as like, Oh, he was the best realtor, but I I do want to be remembered by my family as like, you know, he worked hard for us to give us the life we have and, you know, give us the, 
you know, material things that we have. And even though that may, you know, may not be important, but I do want to be remembered for what I provided for my family, Sure, you know, and, and the hard work and being an outstanding realtor is what, you know, that was the result of that. And I, you know, I wanted to say one thing you, you commented about the realtor you had from Canada. First of all, I love Canada. I had my bachelor party before I got married in Montreal and can Canada is so awesome. It was like the only place I could envision myself living outside of the United States, but I love Canada. But you said she's a planner. I am like a hardcore, hardcore planner. So I didn't want to get, I don't want anyone to confuse like, oh, he doesn't set goals. That's weird. I plan. Sure. And I make changes like, okay, next year I'm going to do this differently or I'm going to incorporate this into my business or I'm going to eliminate this in my business. Like I plan like crazy. I just don't set, when when I said I don't set goals, I don't set transactional goals. I don't mm. set like, okay, I did 20 million in volume this year. I need to do 30 next year. Like I, I just don't measure my success on that at all. Mm-hmm. But I do plan to grow and increase my volume. I just don't set like an actual number. Sure. Not, so that's what I meant when I said I don't set goals. Sure. And and I, I can appreciate that. I mean, I think it's all about knowing our why. And it sounds to me like you very much know your why. Um, you know, why you want to be successful and why it is important. And you know, working on the why the balance is important. So, um, and again, I know we can always improve on some of those things, but. I would say the, the, the biggest balance challenge I need to solve. And I've been saying this forever, but haven't thought about it since March because I haven't traveled at all. Is like, how do I go on vacation and truly unplug because we all know in real mm-hmm. estate, the minute you get on that plane, someone needs you yeah. and some f- fire, you know, pops up on a transaction that you got to put out. Um, I, I got to figure that part out. That is like one of my biggest pitfalls because I work nonstop when I'm on vacation. Um, and my, my wife can't stand it. When I got married, um, I got, we got married in Israel. And so the time change there, I think it's 12 hours later. And since I am just me, I mean, I had someone handling my showings, but I was, uh, I I mean, I had my alarm set for 4am every morning in Israel. So I could get on FaceTime or, you know, I don't think Zoom was around then. FaceTime or uh, what's the other one? I don't know. I I would get on, you know, video calls, talking with clients and talking with co-op. And, you know, I would have, it would have been nice to not have to do that in the middle of the morning or night, you know, talking about transactions across the world. But so I do need to find a better balance on how to, go on a vacation and unplug with my family. Cause I haven't figured that out yet. And it may go, and it may go back to starting a team of 
like the team that I, I mentioned that would be desirable to me is, you know, a team of people of equals that all focus on um, the that work as hard together. as you do. Yeah. And then you can pick up the slack for the other person. And I hope that you find that, that you find uh, it's someone that at least can pick that ball up for you and give you that time away, because I know that you have got to need that in your life. Um, that refreshing. Yeah. And I'm reading a book. Uh, it's I'm reading the audio book um, right now. And I've been reading it very slowly. And I may have even mentioned it on the podcast in the last one, the interview I did, but it's get your life back by John Etheridge or Eldridge. Yeah. And it is, one of the most amazing books for me that I'm really just, I'm, I, I mean, normally I don't read a book slowly. Like I'm just, you know, getting through it and doing the audio when, you know, I've just got some downtime or whatever, but the, the some of the thoughts on that of just even, and, and I'm going to soon write a little article about this, but he talks about the difference in relief and refresh and sometimes uh-huh. we get relief by taking a nap, hmm. by just sitting down watching a movie, but we don't get ref- you know we don't get refreshed. And when we don't get refreshed, we'll get burnout. And you know what are the things that really refresh us? And you know for some people that's being outside, taking a walk, um, but just that refreshing of our soul. And um, it's just been, it's been something I've really been pondering a lot and, and then look at other people and think, man, you got some relief, but you need some refreshing. And uh, it's kind of just an interesting thought that I've really been kind of pondering a good bit the last week or two, but it's a great book what that I recommend it? to anyone. Get your it life back. Get your life back. I'm writing that yeah. down right now. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I read books when I have time. I listen to tons of podcasts in my car, but most of them, I, I mean, I've read a lot of the real estate books, but I don't, I don't, I know when we talked before this podcast, I said, don't ask me what I read because I, I don't read a lot of real estate books anymore. I've read a lot of them, but I don't know. I read a lot of history and stuff like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Jonas, it has been a delight to just spend this time with you and share, hear about your family and hear about the success that you are having in your business. And I I think that you do appear to be a very well-balanced, focused, organized planner. And I know that there's just going to be some tidbits that people are going to pick up from this interview. And, you know, we're not all created the same. And I that's one of the things I love about this podcast is everybody is so different. And it doesn't mean that we all should try to be like someone else. And hopefully there's just little things that from the different episodes, people can pick up and say, oh, I could implement that into my business or into my life and become a better person. And I'm just such a believer in enjoying your life and being happy and content with where you are. Nothing wrong with wanting to be better and wanting to grow. Um, But hey, I've I encourage everyone today just to count your blessings. I agree. And I would, I love connecting with other realtors. Um, I've met like a couple of realtors on uh, Instagram that I've sent referrals to in other States. Uh, So I love connecting with realtors and seeing other realtors, social media feeds and stuff like that. So I would encourage anyone listening to 
send yeah. me a message. Connect with uh, Jonas. You're on Instagram. Any other forms of social media they should look for you on? Um, I mean, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but you know, I essentially post the same things with tweaks for the formats. Sure. Um, so I would say just for simplicity, find me on Instagram, Jonas Barish, real estate, two R's and Barish. And uh, I'd love connecting with people. Great. Well, Jonas, thanks so much for taking your time. I appreciate it. And have a blessed thanks. rest of the day. You too. Thanks for having me. I'm so appreciative of Jonas and his willingness to give of his time and let me interview him. I know you've got some great things from that. I encourage you to right now think of what is your takeaway from this interview? What can you implement into your career, into your life? Um, and let's not let it go in one ear and out another, but let's make something happen from the content that you got today. Listen, the year is wrapping up, and I just hope and pray that you will have good balance in your life. Spend these holidays with some people that you love and you care about, and invest in someone else. If that's another real estate agent, if that is uh, volunteering somewhere at a nonprofit that could use your help, if that's making a donation so that someone eats that might not have eaten or um, there's so many good causes out there. If you don't know of any, ask me because I'm so involved in so many things that just seem to always have needs. And yet it is so rewarding to invest in something and know that I am giving back. I believe so with all my heart that I'm blessed to be a blessing. And so I always want to have open hands as things come through. So during these holiday se this holiday season, I just hope that you will uh, think of something like that. There's nothing that's more rewarding and fulfilling. And I just appreciate all of the listeners. I appreciate the good feedback that we're getting. This podcast is growing very organically. I can't say that it has been like a bombshell that has just been unbelievable growth, but we continue to have growth with each episode that we put out. So if you would be so kind to just let another agent know about the podcast that you feel like might would benefit from that. I would greatly appreciate it. And let me just remind you that leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. You never lead without learning, I don't believe. And um, that little quote came from John Kennedy. But I pray that you have a great, great holiday. Thanksgiving is just right around the corner. Um, and so I hope and pray that this will be a, a sweet, sweet time for you, that you'll slow down just a little bit and think of all your blessings as we just are thankful during this Thanksgiving season. So be blessed, and I will look forward to being with you on the next episode of Real Estate Masters.